There are three things to keep in mind when designing a system that's going to handle explosive dust. The This subject is going to try to help you understand what the importance items are to think about when you're trying to design a dust collection system that's going to handle explosive dust. Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Clean Air, where we find out more about how clean air can affect the quality process for you and the workplace. I'm your host, Jacob Stewart, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing dust collection system design when handling explosive dust. With me today is Canfield APC's Andy Thomason. So how are you doing today, Andy? Jacob, I'm fine. Thanks um, for the invite to uh, help out on this podcast. Um, For those of you that don't know me, I'm Andy Thomason. I'm the Senior Application Specialist for Camphill APC. My home office would be the Jonesboro, Arkansas facility, where I'm part of the engineering and technical support team. My jobs range from supporting application reviews from our reps, dealers, and end users and customers. I also have the responsibility for education to our customers and to our sales force. Uh, the last title that uh, or responsibility that I have is to support R&D in their efforts to develop new products for our customers. Today, um, this subject is going to try to help you understand what the importance items are to think about when you're trying to design a dust collection system that's going to handle explosive dust. All right. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you with us today, Andy. So if it's okay with you, we'll just go ahead and get right into the questions. So starting off, what are the most important things to keep in mind while designing a dust collection system for explosive dust? There are three things to keep in mind when designing a system that's going to handle explosive dust. The first thing is to remember the dust explosion paragon or Pentagon, excuse me. The second is uh, to use the best practices that are stated in the industrial ventilation manual. And the third is to abide by the National Fire Protection Agency or NFPA standards that are uh, applicable to your system or to your type dust. Out of these three, the first we talked about was the dust explosion Pentagon. Uh, I keep this in mind when I'm working with explosive dust to remind me of the five things that are required that would create a dust explosion. And those are the first side of that Pentagon is oxygen. We find oxygen available in a dust collection system because there's oxygen in the air we're using to motivate the dust and collect it into the collector. The second side is uh, confinement. You've got to have confinement of this dust in a, in a closed area uh, to create an explosion, and that would be considered the cavity of the collector or the body of the collector. Third side is dispersion of the dust itself. Um, we would find the dispersion of the dust inside the collector during pulse cleaning uh, when there's a heavy cloud of dust present. And fourth side is 
there's got to be an ignition source uh, that could be created by some pieces of equipment that are creating mechanical movement, uh, heat source, static electricity, sparks, or an open flame. And the last and the most important is uh, let's call this where's the fuel, or in other words, where's the explosive dust present in your dust collection system? The second item to keep in mind when designing a dust collection system that's handling explosive dust is to refer to the industrial ventilation manual, which provides us a wealth of information on how to properly design the system so that the dust, or in our case, the fuel, is captured and conveyed into the collector. The manual provides us recommended capture velocities, minimum conveying velocities, hood design and hood geometries, all for different types of dust and applications. I utilize the manual for design procedures on how to size ducting systems and by use of what we call the balance by design method, which is required for us to use by the NFPA 652 standards. Uh, this method uh, helps us design ducting systems that will self-balance uh, by balance by design method. This uh, also helps us to achieve useful information that we can use to verify a system's performance once in the field and also to create a, a pressure curve to evaluate a fan selection to be used to motivate the air in the system. The third and last thing I try to keep in mind are these NFPA standards. Uh, there's four of them that I try to keep in mind that are the general ones that are used when designing a dust collection system with explosive dust. Those are NFPA 68 that covers explosion protection by defragation venting, NFPA 69 that covers explosion prevention systems, NFPA 652 that covers fundamentals of combustible dust, and NFPA 654 that covers preventional, prevention of fires and dust explosions for manufacturing, processing, and handling of combustible, combustible dust particulate solids. These four cover a vast amount of information, and we'll probably have to create a, a new podcast just to help you cover the basics of those four. But keep in mind, there's many other NFPA standards that should be reviewed when uh, handling a collector that has combustible dust, but they more pertain to certain types of dust or even certain types of operations within specific industries. So with the dust explosion pentagon the industrial ventilation manual and the nfpa standards like these all sound like really helpful things for designing your collector where would somebody go to access this information the dust explosion pentagon is probably something you could find a picture of to help you understand somewhere on the website or even at the nfpa there's also a website for nfpa that uh, list these standards for public review to help you understand. Uh, the third for the industrial ventilation manual, that's something that you can purchase through 
the ACGIJ, they uh, they publish this book. I think it's about $120, $140. And I think they're all the way up to uh, edition number 29. Uh, for our customer base and our sales force, we offer a very short course at the plant in Jonesboro on industrial ventilation and these NFPA standards. Um, I think we're just waiting for COVID to relax situations so we can start uh, the process of uh, starting training back in these uh, certain subjects. We love the opportunity to have our customers come to the plant in Jonesboro and see our facility, how we work, and to learn our culture. Absolutely. So for the next question, what design characteristics are necessary for capturing fugitive dust into your dust collection system? That's a good question. Uh, there's two things that you really need is you need to determine the correct capture velocity and you need to create and design the proper hood geometry. Uh, these two factors are derived from your basic or knowledge or your knowledge that you need to gather about the dust, your knowledge about the process, uh, the understanding of the environment around the process and how it influences the dust and also knowing the dispersion pattern of the fugitive dust that the process is generating. Right. And could you explain a little bit more about the importance of capture velocity? Sure. Um, it's, it's actually the crux or the main foundation of what you've got to get right in the beginning of when designing the dust collection system, especially when it's a dust collection system that's handling uh, an explosive dust. Or in this case, let's keep the mindset of it, that it's a fuel. Uh, the capture velocity is the, in this fundamental, uh, by definition, is the where you have to create an airflow across the point of dust generation so that it wants to change any momentum that that dust has to reach a momentum and change its momentum to move towards and accelerate into the opening of your hood, whether it's a an enclosure, whether it's a containment booth, or whether it's just a, a plain hood, or even a close captured hood, you've got to motivate this dust into the hood so that you can collect it. Uh, low capture velocities will leave dust, or in this, of course, in our discussion, the fuel won't capture it all. And this dust is going to end up remaining in the workspace, or even the loadable dust will have the ability to migrate to even other parts of the plant by um, being carried with air currents that are present in the plant. Uh, by definition, you could also think of the capture velocity as being a velocity that's great enough to overcome the dust dispersion momentums, buoyancy, and external influences. Many people that um, try to, uh, at the beginning of design experience, they mistakenly forget to add influences or increase capture velocities to overcome external influences and also uh, to compensate for the respect of where the hood is located with respect to where the dust is being generated. Hoods, especially close capture hoods, 
are very sensitive to their location via where the dust is being generated. Uh, you might design for that hood to be a certain distance from the dust being generated. And if that hood is moved away, the efficiency of that hood or the capture velocity from that hood base distance drastically decreases. So you have to be very careful to make sure that whatever you decide or whatever design distance you use in calculating your velocity pressure required at some distance away from the hood, you need to make sure that the hood's not going to move from that position. The other mistake that designers will make is that not recognizing that there might be some external air currents around the hood that are going to disturb that uh, velocity pattern that's trying to pull that dust or make that dust change its mind or or uh, marry a momentum of 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 that dust movement into the hood uh, like a man cooler fan or even an air conditioning vent uh, could be blowing uh, the dust or changing the momentum of the dust and another term that you mentioned was balanced by design uh, could you explain a little bit more about what that means yeah balanced by design is a method of calculating the duct static pressure losses and it uses duct frictional factors or losses and also accounts for all the dynamic losses in terms of velocity pressure um, some people will call the balance by design they also call it a velocity pressure method of calculating duct losses and system uh, static pressures by using this method that is designer the owner can evaluate the ducts branches uh, static pressure loss and adjust the design configuration of that branch to balance the static pressure at its junction point uh, also by theory what happens is that where two airstreams come together you've got to have the same static pressure if you don't uh, those two branches, one branch will increase in air volume or decrease in air volume until there is an equal static pressure where those two air two air streams come together. Uh, in the past, or old school calculations would be that people would just kind of use an equivalent loss method or foot method loss for sizing ducting put it in the field and then do fine balancing of the branches to get the flow that they need by adding uh, manual dampers or slide gates that they could open and close to create a false pressure so that the static pressures would meet at the junction point and the flows could be ad adjusted to match uh, the performance that they needed. The detriment to that old type design is that one those manual dampers could someone could come up after they've been set and change the position to better one process but yet negate the amount of air needed for another process or at another branch sometimes you, they found that uh, these would vibrate loose and change their positions which would mess up your capture velocity and your minimum conveying velocity uh, also, in some abrasive explosive dust, they found that uh, over a period of time, those dampers would actually wear, which would also change the set static pressure that they were trying to achieve by 
balancing with a manual damper. Uh, NFPA actually recommends that you do not, uh, wherever possible, use uh, balancing dampers to adjust your flows. Uh, this balance by design procedure allows you to design ducting so that these blast gates are not, our balancing dampers are not needed. Could you explain more about the importance of hood geometry? Sure. Hood geometry needs to be considered so that the velocity profiles is being projected around the area of where you're generating the dust or where the process is generating the dust. That profile, you're wanting to be at the capture velocity required that you're designing for. A lot of people don't realize that there is a profile, velocity profile created by different hood geometries, and it's not intuitive because, of course, the air, you can't see it. Uh, if your process is smoky, you might be able to see a, a smoke pattern of the air being accelerated and gathered by the hood. But conceptually, it's a, it's a difficult thing to realize. So the industrial ventilation manual has come up with many different practical geometries and a good explanation of what those projected velocity profiles will look like as you change those hood geometries. For the audience, here's a, a practical example of a hood, uh, let's say that's collecting welding smoke. If you had a piece of uh, material that you're welding, and let's say it's uh, 12 inches long, and it's placed, uh, let's say, 12 inches from the face of the hood opening. You'd actually need to create a hood that projects a velocity profile that has the capture velocity that's going to be something wider than that 12-inch piece of material and actually can project that needed velocity profile at a distance of more than 12 inches away from the hood face. That way you can ensure that that profile as you weld from one side of that 12 inch piece of metal to the other side, that any smoke being generated is gonna be captured within that velocity projected profile. Some additional ways to explain the importance of hood geometry would be, um, here. here's a, another example that, that might help you, the, the listener, imagine what we're talking about. If you had a, let's say you had a hood opening that was short in height, but long in length, or in other words, maybe a hood that had an opening that created an aspect ratio of height the width of something of less than 0 0.20 ratio. That type hood or that configuration of hood would project a velocity profile that is uh, only present for a short vertical height, but uh, would be present over a, a long width uh, along the length of the hood. Another way to think about that profile might be to imagine a flattened elliptical shape of a velocity profile in front of the hood. Consequently, a, a hood that's nearly square in its opening, in other words, uh, the opening as tall as the opening would be wide, would project a velocity profile uh, 
that's just as wide as it is tall. Or maybe you could think of it as a hemispherical shape. Again, uh, using the wrong hood geometry would leave the dust or the fuel in undesired locations. So it's very important to get the, not only the correct velocity profile, but also to make sure that that velocity profile is being developed by the correct hood geometry. Right. Uh, for our next question, can you explain what the minimum conveying velocities are for the different types of dust? Yes, that's a, a very in, important design feature. The last of the three important design features, one in review was uh, our capture velocity. You got to get that right. The second is the hood geometry. And the third is this minimum conveying velocity based on what type of dust that you're handling. This is true whether it's explosive or non-explosive dust. All dust have their own aerodynamic characteristic or and therefore require different airspeeds that keep them in suspension so that they can be conveyed from the point of generation into the hood, through the ducting, and into the collector. Some people refer to this individual aerodynamic characteristic of a dust particle as being their Stokes equivalent, which is another subject that we could have a podcast about uh, because the subject's so deep. The industrial ventilation manual gives us groupings of different types of dust with examples to help us derive at, uh, I'm going to call it just a starting point of where we should design for our minimum conveying velocity. Uh, I highly recommend that you try to consult with someone that has experience in handling the same dust that's being created by the same process that uh, you have just so you can confirm this minimum conveying velocity and find proof of it. There's not a very strong detailed information about what true minimum conveying velocities need to be, only generalities. And there's always some exception to even what the industrial ventilation manual might give you uh, the value that they may give you. A good example of that would be, let's say that you might look at the industrial ventilation manual and see what kind of minimum conveying velocity you need for, say, welding, welding spoke. Normally, to design welding spoke, you would need a minimum conveying velocity to be created in the ducting of about 2,500 feet per minute. But if that welding operation, if they're welding on material that's been soaked in oil to prevent the uh, material from rusting, or maybe the welder is spraying a uh, anti-weld splatter material on the weld before he, or material before he welds it, as the welding process happens, those oils and anti-weld splatter uh, will vaporize or and mix with the welding dust and actually build up and create uh, a sticky dust that will build up on the interior of your ducting that you're using to convey the dust. And because of that, you might have to increase your duct minimum conveying velocity to something around maybe 3,800 to 4,000 feet per minute. So um, you need to make sure that you 
review your process and not just depend on the generalities that the industrial ventilation might give you. Not designing your system to meet this minimum conveying velocity is going to allow the dust, or again in our scenario, the fuel, the buildup on the inside of the duct, ducting system or lay in the bottom of the ducting system. And this is going to be dis detrimental, especially when handling an explosive dust, because now we're spreading the fuel or we've distributed fuel or dust in locations in the ducting system where we're not expecting it to be and we haven't provided any protection in case of an incident with that dust being located in the ducting. And do you have any advice for those who are about to purchase their own dust collector for combustible dust? That's a great question. I'll try to answer that question without being prejudiced <laughs> to uh, the cl type collectors that we sell. But I would recommend that the owner or the purchaser find a manufacturer that has good quality and can produce a collector that uh, provides a low cost of ownership or operation of the collector. Something you can do is have the manufacturer supply you with a copy of their ANSI ASHRAE 199 test. The results of that test give you some insight about the collector's performance and how it performs under different process conditions, uh, its energy consumption, and also provide a photometric emissions statement. Uh, those test results are valuable tools, all those things, in helping you decide and determine what collector is going to be the best offering for you. And also select a collector based on size or let's call it uh, air to media ratio based off the performance requirements that best match the demands of your process and do this selection and keeping in mind of what's going to offer the most convenient filter life cycle that meets your requirement in production. That sounds like a mouthful, but you have to keep in mind that you can purchase a collector that's very small that will do the job, or you can collect or purchase a collector that has more media in it that will do the same job. And the size of those collectors and the amount of filter material that you have in them or air cloth ratio is going to greatly determine what kind of life you have on your filter material. It's important when you're selecting the collector for especially for combustible dust is that you understand and you can control the um, the pressure drop across the collector media and control that and that's especially important when sizing your collector for handling uh, combustible dust uh, also uh, choose a collector configuration that's going to uh, enable dust to flow off the filters and into some kind of removal device at the bottom of the hopper of the collector. Uh, you want to ensure that the dust or our discussion, the fuel that enters the collector doesn't have the chance to remain inside the collector. The collector configuration should also complement the required uh, explosion protection devices that we need 
in handling the combustible dust. The last thing I would recommend is that you purchase from a collective manufacturer that has a good understanding of what these NFPA standards are we've talked about and also understands the practices that are stated in the industrial ventilation manual. Right. So in addition to that, do you have any advice for selecting a fan for your dust collector? I do. Selecting a fan best suited for a dust collection system when handling explosive dust is very important because the fan is not smart enough to provide you a constant flow. It is a centrifugal device, or some people term it as a slipstream device, that only knows to operate in a position on its performance curve where the system that you've designed dictates it to, or where, say, the pressure drop across the system and your filters dictate it to operate. Fans are probably the most uh, misunderstood component in uh, dust collection systems. They, they always get blamed for bad performance of a dust collection system when almost 90% of the time the problem is due to incorrect system calculations or installation or someone not truly understanding and selecting a dust collection dust collector that's with filters that's going to provide a, a predictable performance of pressure drop. Fans, you got to keep in mind that fans are only capable of providing an operating performance point that's dictated by the system resistance to a given flow. Uh, the owner or the selector of the fan should always select a fan that's going to be capable of providing the required flow under all possible system pressure changes. Uh, the system curve will change its positions and therefore change the position on the fan performance curve as the collector's filters build in pressure and lose differential pressure when dust builds up on the filters. Uh, the designer has got to conduct a critical review of the fan and the system curve that's developed to ensure design airflow will be maintained. The system design is based on a required airflow at each pickup point to maintain that capture velocity that we've talked about and also establish a minimum conveying velocity and the ducting. Without these things, we're not going to collect the dust or motivate the dust into our hoods, and we're not going to be able to convey the dust from the hoods through the ducting into a collector. Selecting a fan that creates an airflow lower than the system volume that you've designed for when challenged by the increased filter pressure drop is going to result in the fuel being spread throughout the system. Uh, it'll be fuel left uh, where you expected it to be collected at the hood face or in the process. It, and it's also going to leave dust in the ducting where you weren't expecting it to be and you haven't provided any protection for explosion. Okay. And moving on to our last question, just as kind of a 
summary of what we've talked about. Could you summarize some of the important design goals when designing a dust collection system that's meant to handle explosive dusts? I always, at the end of the design, I give myself a kind of a personal review, and I would suggest you do too, is that you ask yourself the following questions and make sure that uh, by answering yes to these questions, it's going to help you make sure that your your design is in compliance with the needs of a dust collection system that's going to handle an explosive dust. The first question is, will the capsule velocity that I'm using motivate the dust into the hood? Uh, The second would be, will the hood geometry that I've selected project a velocity profile to cover the total area of where the dust is being generated? Uh, Third would be, will the design duct velocity keep uh, the dust from collecting within the ducting system? Uh, That relates back to our minimum conveying velocity. And the fourth question would be, have I used the principles of design as outlined in the industrial ventilation manual? In other words, the do's and don'ts of how to configure and uh, how to build and uh, design your ducting system. Uh, five, do I have uh, controls and instrumentation available in my system to help me monitor and cur- control the collector's performance? Uh, it's important to know what the collector's doing and how it's performing because you want to make sure that it's performing within the criteria that you've designed and selected your fan. Last question is also related to, to the previous one is, well, the selection or the fan that I've selected, is it going to be operating in a stable performance over the complete range or say changes that my system is going to see towards static pressure. Jacob, I, I appreciate the time that you've given me. It's important for us at Canfield APC to take every opportunity that we can to help educate our customers and establish a relationship. We're proud of the, the product that we make. Uh, we're proud of how we try to keep up with industry standards of the NFPA and industrial ventilation practices. I am just one of many uh, that we have on staff that are available to try to help you in your uh, selection and design of a dust collection system and or one that's going to be uh, handling explosive dust. So thanks for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for agreeing to do this, Andy. I feel like we, we all learned a lot from this. So, If you'd like to find out more about this and other topics, simply follow the links in the show notes, which you'll find in the description of this podcast. They include links, contact details, and anything else you might need to get more information. This podcast was produced by Camphill, the world leader in the production and development of air filters and clean air solutions. You can find out more at camphill.com. Be sure to join us for our next episode and be sure to subscribe to get notifications for future episodes. Until then, I'm your host, Jacob Stewart, and this has been Let's Talk Clean Air. Thank you for listening.